Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Thank you. Uh, and on that note, she uh, kind of got most of the talk in some way is going to be sort of focused on, on a, a little bit in this because it's such a, an important thing. We want to keep it central and to be thinking about it. And um, starting off by saying, if, you know, if you could pray anything for your children who've got children, or if you could pray anything for yourself, if you could want anything for yourself, what would it be? If uh, you could have a picture of, we have this thing at Ivy every year called uh, the Year Of, and uh, before long we'll be unveiling what the Year Of is for next year, but I'm not going to tell you now. But um, we, we do know what the Year Of is for this year, and it is what? Blessing. The Year of Blessing. And, um, and that's a kind of word people don't really know what it means necessarily. But perhaps you could... Some people, especially if you're not sort of church background, you might think of success in a way. A successful life might be what people look for, and they don't realize actually what they're looking for is a blessed life. But if you could think of a picture of a life that was successful, what would, it, what would the picture that you would have, what would it look like? Maybe it would be a treasure chest. And oh, All right, well, what would be in the treasure chest for you? What would be, what would be the treasures that would make it? wonderful and successful or maybe you could it might be a house that's just full of happiness but again what would be in the house what would you want in the house then you'd know that was a a house that was full of happiness you know the, the various pictures and you know we get sold on all kinds of things you just scroll through your social media especially like around the black friday weekend you can have all kinds of things coming at you that say this is it this is it this is it this is it and if you buy this or if you go there or if you do that then in some way that's going to going to make you happy if you were to see a picture of what god wants from your life in order to be able to call it a blessed life, the way he measures it, what would that look like? Because we want everybody who gets connected to Jesus in this church, everybody in our year of blessing, we want them to be successful, we want you to be successful the way he sees it and the way he says it, because otherwise you could miss it. There's a very real danger that could happen. You could miss it even if you got the treasure chest full of the things that you think that you want. Even if you got the house full of all the things that you think will make you happy, you could still get all of that, and people do, and totally miss what God has got for you. And at the end of your life, look back at it and kind of go, oh man, what a sucker I was. What a waste. I've wasted my life. I've wasted my time here on earth because I might have been successful with this and I might have got that, you know, I might have got that um, educational attainment. I might have got that, that you know, um, all those people, all those followers, if that's what you want. Or I could have had all those different things. I could have had it, you know, I could have the biggest house on the row. I could have a, a bunch of cars in the, on the drive. I could have all those things and yet miss it. So, 
What would a successful life look like according to Jesus? The good news is we don't have to guess. Because on the night that Jesus died, he, he wanted to share with his followers something so important. You know, people remember, among all kinds of things, the last words of somebody. If ever they were going to remember, you know, he's in some way keeps hinting that this is going to be the time when he's going to go and he's going to leave them and go somewhere and they don't know what it means they don't know what it's about but he says I'm going to go somewhere I'm going to go and make a place ready for you so that when it's ready I'm going to come back and get you he makes all these different promises and so there's this dramatic moment they've had the last supper next day in fact very soon he's going to be crucified and he knows that he's going to go to a cross he keeps on warning them they just don't get what it means and in this dramatic moment because it really is a life and death time for them after this last supper John 14 Jesus says right at the end if you read John 14 he says let us go now and they leave the upper room that they've been in and Jesus leads his friends out of the upper room and they go down the darkened streets through Jerusalem and they go through uh, towards Gethsemane they don't know where they're going but he ends up taking to this, this garden and he knows that what is awaiting him there is betrayal and arrest and that he's going to go to a cross where he's going to be crucified for them but on the way, as they're walking along, the way I picture it is he stops, because this is the way it seems, and he comes to an ancient vineyard. And then this is where he stops, and Jesus points to a vine. And his disciples all lean in, and he says, I need to tell you something. And this is what he says. I am the true vine, and my father... I'll start again. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Thanks, Holly. So this is telling us, you know, everybody was born. You were born, I was born, but you weren't just born to be born. You and I were born to be born again. At some point, to get that fresh star that new life that new creation thing that only Jesus can do that you can't do yourself none of us can make ourselves born again we can't do that but we come to him and we get that that new life that comes from him as a gift all our sins are forgiven he gives us a fresh start if you've not had that tonight's the night why put it off any longer it's the best thing that could ever happen to anybody any other time you can't do it otherwise and Jesus didn't just say it's a maybe he said you must be born again you must be born again by the Spirit of God. And, and if you were, if that's happened to you, then there's a reason for that. It isn't just so that then you can say, all right, tick that box. Um, you know, maybe you got baptized as a sign of it and all that. It's wonderful. But it, even the baptism isn't just an end in itself. It's part of something as a response to something where you're saying to Jesus, you're saying to God, I want to bear fruit. I want my life to really count I want my life to make a difference I want to I want something in my life that will last forever 
And I don't just mean like a, you know, one day they'll put up a statue of you and people will come past and say, oh, this was such and such a body. I mean, I mean, actually, it's going to be something that's going to make a difference in other people's eternities as well. And, and it doesn't just happen. I've got a picture here of the great vine at Hampton Court Palace. Anybody ever been and seen that? We have. <laughs> because we used to live near <laughs> And it's 250 years old. It was taken from a cutting by a, a very famous gardener, well, and landscaper called Capability Brown. And it's now, he planted it as a small vine. It's now four metres wide at its base, and it stretches at its longest for 36 metres. This thing's huge. Its record crop is 385 kilograms of grapes, which is, in old money, 845 pounds of grapes in one season. That is one fruitful vine. That is a picture of a fruitful vine. But you know what? It doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of cultivating. I had a look online at it, and there's particularly there's a, there's a husband and wife apparently who spend a lot of time and more or less devoted their lives to cultivating this vine. And they were interviewing this. Some of the words that they use to look after it, it says involved training, tying, thinning out, trimming, fertilizing, disbudding to make sure that there are not too many new shoots, and pruning the fruiting spurs, just like Jesus said. See, Jesus spoke, and, and there's three main characters in this short passage. Number one, Jesus, is the true vine. Now, he's contrasted himself there with the vine of Israel, in many ways, because, because Israel thought of itself as a vine, and there's, there's prophecies that said that Israel was going to be a vine that, that God was going to plant. And the idea was that the nations would come and be able to taste and see that the Lord is good, actually, from Israel. But they didn't, because Israel did not fulfill all of its promises. It did not fulfill all of its potential in God. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. In fact, we know that Jesus said, I am so many times over and over, especially in the Gospel of John. In John's Gospel, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. And so he says here, I am the vine. And the word literally means I am the root. I am the trunk. I am actually the 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 thing that connects heaven to earth it's what comes out of the earth and brings life that's what a root is isn't it and in Isaiah chapter 53 there's a prophecy if you remember it which, which talks about a suffering servant who will come and he will say he had no beauty of his own to attract us to him but he sprung up out of the earth so all throughout scripture everybody was waiting for Jesus to come and then he comes and he says I am the true vine and the word true what does true mean it means trustworthy it means reliable it means that the old covenant the old way of people trying to get right back with God was not going to work it was not reliable the nation of Israel used the grapevine as a national symbol like we might have an English rose they had the grape as one of their symbols on the grapevines 
And yet, God said, this vineyard has not produced what I wanted it to produce. Even though God loved them faithfully, they were not faithful, and so they were fruitless. So that's character number one is Jesus. He is the vine. Number two, God, the Father, is the gardener, the vine dresser, literally the one who works the ground. It's the Greek word georgios. Anybody called George? By any chance? It means farmer. If you meet anybody called George, that's what it is. And so the Father is the gardener and he does the work, what does he do the work to do? Why does he do the work? Why? What does he want to grow? Come on, at least three people speak. Fruit. That's why he does it. This is not a flower garden. He is not making something so that people come through and go, ooh, doesn't that smell lovely? Or, ooh, doesn't that look nice? No, the reason he's doing this is because he wants fruit. He expects there to be, to be fruit. So that's why he fights off the pests. That's why he pulls up the weeds. That's why he protects. That's why he prunes the plant. Why? To produce grapes. The purpose of a vineyard is not the same as the purpose of somebody's nice, pretty garden. God is working, not so it will be pretty, but so it will be productive doesn't really matter what it looks like. At times it's going to look awful along the way in the life of a vine. But it's okay because he's not looking for flowers. He's looking for fruit. Number three. Who's the branches? Put your hand up. Put your branch up if you're a branch. We are the branches. That's what Jesus says. It's not all that glamorous, is it? Really. It's not a glamorous picture anyway. Oh, I'm a branch. You know, but what he's saying is, your job is just to stay stuck in. That's a branch's job. Because if it stays stuck in, things will grow. Fruit will happen. The, the job is to faithfully follow. Because faithful Followers are fruitful. Should we say that? Because it's easy. Faithful followers are fruitful. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, just keep following me. Keep being faithful to me. You will be fruitful. And then, as we go through the passage, really quick, there's four levels of fruit bearing. And everybody here, you and me included, we get to choose which one of these is going to be us. You get to choose. It isn't your mum and dad's choice. It's not anybody else's choice. It's down to you. What will your life produce? What is it producing right now? And in the end, what will it have been shown to produce? Because you know Jesus lays it out really simply here. You don't need some really deep some masters in theology to understand this. This is, is pretty clear, but it's also very challenging. John 15 verse 6 says that Jesus expects those who follow him faithfully will produce 
fruit. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Hope. You didn't choose him. He chose you. He already knew who your mum and dad would be and that you'd live in Glossop and he knew what your family would be like. He knew it all. And the same for everybody here. Again, we might, not look, we might look at our family situation and we might think, well, I wouldn't have chosen this and I wouldn't have chosen that. Okay, well, you don't get to do that. But you do get to know that you're chosen. There's no accidents in that sense. God had a plan and maybe some of the hard things are actually the things that are going to help you to grow rather than the things that you wish, oh, that didn't happen, you wish didn't, that didn't happen. In the end, it's those hard things that, that, that we grow in those times. But he didn't choose us for any other reason than this. I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That's why he chose us. So what's the, what's the point? What's the purpose of my life? It's to bear fruit for Jesus. It's to be fruitful for him. The way he says. The way he he says, years ago, I spent some time in Spain. We went, me and Zoe got opportunity to go and uh, stay on an olive farm for a week. And uh, it was really quite nice. And I didn't really like olives when we got there. By the end of it, I loved olives because pretty much all we ate. And, um, but but we, they had, you had to go. And, and this guy that we were staying with, he actually, you know, he got these machines and he showed me how to do it. And he hooked it around a branch and he shook the things. And, all, and out came all of the, all the olives would come off on. And then you'd take them. And it's an awful lot. You'd have to then carry and put in the back of a truck and go and go and weigh these things there's an awful lot of work that's involved and it takes time and it takes patience and then you'd go and you know it didn't matter what it looked like it didn't matter what kind of bags you put it in or what truck it came in and all that kind of stuff the guy who you took it to basically just wanted to know how much is the that's it for all of the work you've put in he would go and weigh it and that was the issue. And then if you, you know, whatever you, 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 the reward came based upon the weight of the fruit. That was it. So again, look at the list. Do you believe Jesus chose you? Anybody? Yeah, okay, I believe he did. I believe he did too. What did he choose you for? Do you believe that he's called you? What's he called you to do? What, look at the list, ask, what level of fruit, what amount of fruit in my life, how is my life being fruitful for other people? What kind of fruit is he getting out of my life? What level of fruit do you want him to get? Does it matter to you? Or, or do we still want to define success the way we started at the beginning by talking about what kind of house, what kind of car, what kind of education, what kind of things, what, how much money in the bank, whether we get a long retirement or not, or whatever it is. There's all kinds of ways people these days measure a successful life. Do you want to live a, a fruitful life? Because that is actually what God wants for you and for me. Jesus expects it. And actually, if you will tell him tonight, I don't want to be cut off from you. I never want to be cut off from you. And if, if in any way anybody here feels like they have been cut off from him, you know, the good news is, ask him and he grafts you straight back in. He just puts you right back in. The reason you might feel like there's parts of your life that are dead and dying, do you know what those parts are? Every part that is not connected to Jesus. 
it's going to die. It's dying already. It's like, you know, these... I hurt my back, so I'm going to be careful. There's fruit on here because it's connected. It's connected to the vine, isn't it? That's the reason that it's fruitful. But once it gets unconnected... Shouldn't have done that. Oh, it's tasty, actually. So, what does he do? He wants to look at you and me, and he doesn't want us to be the, 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 the missing fruit. He doesn't want us to have no fruit in our lives, does he? Does any, none of us really want that. We don't want there to be no fruit. Are you happy with minimal fruit? Uh, seriously? Would people who know you best and know you're a Christian, if, they were, if you were to ask them, do you, do you think they would say whether or not you, they think that you're happy with the minimal fruit? Christianity just enough because you know it does say there's minimal fruit it does bear there's some that doesn't bear fruit there's some that does bear fruit and then there's some that bears more fruit I'm going to see what is required for that and then there's some that bears much fruit how do you go from minimal to more to much we don't have to guess because again it's in the passage the father comes and he prunes. Does that sound nice? Does that sound easy? Does that sound like everything is just wonderful the way I want it? No. It, it says that he prunes, he purges, he purifies so that those dead branches with no fruit on won't suck the life out of the bits that he wants to grow the fruit in. He wants to cut those things off. One day in the earth, it will be harvest time and he wants you and me to be ready for that and he doesn't want any of us to be unfruitful. And Jesus doesn't judge us by how long we've been a Christian, how many years we've been a Christian. doesn't really matter to him. It doesn't matter whether or not we know many Christian songs or how loud we sing them, all those kind of things. It doesn't matter really how many Bible verses you've got underlined or anything like that. He says, by your fruit. By their fruit. That's it. That's the measurement. So how do we grow fruit that lasts? How do we get more fruity? Three things. Number one, pruning. Three ways to grow more fruit, fruit that Jesus talks about here. Number one, pruning. Verse two says... He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. I'm speaking to everybody here, but I'm going to apply it especially to the young people. There may be times you have to prune somebody. There may be times there might be somebody who, if you stick listening to them, if you stick with them, they're going to pull you away from Jesus. At times, we have to make those choices. I don't want to be cut off from you, Lord, so, okay, we'll cut off that. And, and again, it isn't just, a, it might not be a person. It could be all kinds of things. Maybe it's your phone that stops you from being fruitful. I think it does for me. At times we say we've got no time for prayer or Bible study but according to research this year from data reportage 
The average screen time for users around the world, aged 16 to 64, across different platforms and devices, per day, how long do you think that is, screen time? Six hours, 37 minutes a day. Some people are like, oh, that's easy. I do that before I wake up, you know, whatever. <laughs> Four hours a day on phones is the average. Could we do a little pruning? And if we did, could that make us more productive, more fruitful? I think so. There's some things that we need to say to him. All right, Lord, cut that off. I want to cut that out a bit so I can plug more into you and what you've got. Because God says, and he says tonight to us, I want to grow you more. And to grow you more, I'm going to have to prune some things for that to happen so there can be more fruit that comes. It could be also we prune some things that we like, that we seem to be doing okay in those kind of things. But actually, you know, it's a productive branch, but it needs a little trim. And, you know, you follow the life of the vine, there are seasons when it's cut back by over 80%. I remember we used to live in Surrey and there was a vineyard we used to go to and there was, they showed the life of a vine tree and there was a moment, it all looked to be going really well on one of them, but it was all leaves. And the next one, it had all been cut back. And again, we can have those times in our lives, can't we, where it all looks like everything's all right and then something happens and you come in and you're like, whoa, why did God do that? Well, maybe God didn't do that, but he allowed it. And he's pruning back some showy leaves in order to get to the root, in order to grow something new, something better, some fruit that's going to last. And he doesn't ever just hack away like I do. If Zoe says, can you trim that? I'm like, I've got a Rambo. You know, I just dive in there. No, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And the shaping that he does every time, do you know what it looks like? Jesus. It's not more like somebody else. It's not less like you. It's more like you, like Jesus. That's what it looks like. I've had something that said, most beginner grape growers fail because they don't prune enough. Is there something God's been speaking to you and saying to you, actually, for me to grow you and grow us, this relationship, something has to be pruned. He says it for your good. He says it because he loves you. He says it because it's best. He says it because he knows best. I don't know what it is for you. It could be relational, vocational, financial. It could be, I don't know, it could be all those things. But it's just so that you can get a better crop. So verse 3, he says, fruit comes because of cleaning, not just pruning. And that's part of the process where they do take a knife and they clean the branches. And, and if, if not, if they just leave the branches to go, they end up falling down, they go in the mud, they go in the dirt, and they need it to be, to be pulled out of that and cleaned. And then he says to, to the, you've already been cleaned. Why have you been cleaned? What's cleaned them? Can you remember from the passage? Because of the word that was spoken to you. See, he doesn't want to have to prune us. He'd rather clean us. Yeah? You see the difference? The pruning comes because we're deciding I'll just do it my own way. I'll just do my own thing however I want. The cleaning comes because we read his word and do what it says. And then he doesn't have to prune because we got cleaned already. 
because of his word. So again, one thing we really want to be clear of in next year, in our year of, oh, <laughs> is let's get into the Bible. Let's get in the Bible every day, every single day. Like Hope was saying, that was something that made such a difference to her. It would make a difference in anybody. You know, the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is that if the first thing I do is I think, what's on the news or what's on my news feed or what's on this, that's setting my mind up actually for a fail. Whereas if I can start every day with some scripture and I get that in, that's setting up my life for success the way that Jesus calls it. So the gardener cuts off and he cuts back and he cleans all for the good of the vine. And then what's our part? To abide, to remain, to not fall away. Remain in me and I in you. It's two parts there actually, isn't it? I can't do anything by myself. He says, apart from me you can do nothing. But the good news is, Jesus wants to remain in you. And when he moves in, when he moves in, he brings plants. He starts growing what he wants there. So he says, abide in me and I in you. If you're anybody today, if you've not even done it yet, open up the door of your heart and just ask him to come in. And he'll come in and he'll take out the rubbish, if you let him. He'll point it out and take it out. And then he'll just bring in things that actually the world looks out, looks like and success looks like. And it all comes free. Because what's everybody looking for? Looking for love. Jesus has got that. People are looking for joy. Jesus has got that. People are looking desperate for peace. Jesus has got that. It's all, it's all him because he says, and he says, if you will abide in me and you let me abide in you, if you will live in me and I live in you, then you will be a faithful follower and you will be fruitful. Because a fruitful life is the best life. And to be honest with you, even if you've got, like I said at the start, a successful life that has all the money, power, position, prestige, whatever you want, but you haven't got any love, or you haven't got any joy, or you haven't got any peace, you've not really got anything that matters, have you? So look at verse 5. We're getting ready to pray. And I want you to consider what your response tonight to this word from God is and how you want to talk to Jesus about it. But... It seems like a ridiculous question to ask, but does anybody here really want their life to be fruitless? Ultimately. I don't think anybody would really want that. Well, listen then, this is what he says. Abide in me. Whoever abides and rests and remains in me will bear much fruit, and that fruit is going to last. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. See, whether, we, whether you might be too young and you might feel, oh, I'm a bit too young for it now, I'm not sure, you know, I want to do this. You could be old and you could think, oh, maybe I'm a bit too old to bear fruit. It isn't a matter of, of age. It's not about that. It, it's about connection. It's about connection to Jesus. If, if I connect to Jesus, he says, I will bear fruit that will last. And the more I connect to him, the more I stay abiding in him, I'm not going to live a fruitless life. But when I cut myself off, 
Whatever is cut off from him will perish. That isn't what he wants. It's going to perish sooner or later. We will all perish too. Once we come apart from the, the vine. See, actually, we know, don't we, that these, this fruit is actually perishing. I put it in the fridge, but it's still going to perish. Why? Because it's no longer part of the vine. And it can look good. But once it comes apart from the vine, the, the life is not flowing through it. So, Hope, could you be my helper? Please. This is what hope does. This is what the hope of Jesus does. Can you just go around and pass some of that fruit out to people, please? Because the hope that we are connected to in Jesus comes and it fills us. So we've got some for ourselves. Make sure you keep a little bit for yourself. But then we've got Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And we've got some for us and some to give away. And that's what Jesus calls a successful, blessed life. So should we pray? I feel like maybe some people... It's been a bit like the, the lights come on tonight in some way. Because the darkness all around us wants to tell us that it's light. and wants us to believe that buy this, get that, strive after this. Get those people to like you or just in some way, all those things, whatever it is. There's so many things that can come and be like fake fruit because they don't actually provide what they offer. Lord, I just want to say to you, I'm sorry for any area of disconnection in my life. I don't want to perish. Thank you, Lord, for that most famous verse in the Bible that says that you came, Lord, you love the world so much that you came and gave yourself so that I would not perish. And Lord, thank you that now as I reconnect into your life, power of the divine life flows through me the Holy Spirit in me brings me life is there something that you need to cut off tonight is there something that as God's word has spoken to clean you you've realised actually that I need to cut that out I need to cut out saying that maybe this phrase that I just say a lot I need to cut that out because it isn't true Is there something that, uh, again, a relationship, it could be a relationship with your phone, it could be anything, relationship with social media, all these things that are just messing us up very often. I need to cut that out. And Lord, all of these things, you do it because you care for us, because you're shaping us, because you're making us more fruitful. So Lord, we invite you, please come and prune us, where you need to. Shape us how you want to. So that we, we, I, I will bear much fruit. 
not just for myself, but in the lives of others. In Jesus' name.